0: This episode is brought to you by Tempest Fugitives. Christmas is coming, and what better way to show the person that you love how much you care about them than with a steel sword from Tempest Fugitives. Visit www.tempestswords.co.uk What's up everybody and welcome to this episode of Blades for Days where we're going to be talking about swords and sword fighting and taking it slow. I'm your host Jordan and joining me today is my guest, Shani Nishri. Hello. Hello. How are you? How are you? I'm good. <laughs> Jinx. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm doing okay. I'm, uh, the only thing is I was sort of waiting for you to join the call and I noticed how long my beard's gotten and I think I need to do something about it because it's uh, it's getting out of hand now <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Other than that, <laughs> I'm great
1: yeah did I've you... not been to the hairdresser for two years now so it's a different problem but it's definitely coming out of control <laughs>
0: <laughs> the last time I went to the hairdresser they did such a bad job of it that I, I was like, you know what? I'm not going back again. Um, I went, and at first I had to haggle with her. Because um, I said, yeah, I want you to chop off this much. Because I wanted it at about sort of eye, eye level height. Because it's actually like down to my shoulders at the moment um, after lockdown. And then she was like, oh, no, you don't want to cut that much off. And I was like, I, I do, actually. And she was like, I'll, I'll, cut, I'll cut a few inches off. And I'm like, no, cut. Cut the whole thing off. So I'm like telling her what I want, and she's just ignoring me, going, "Oh, I won't do that." So in the end, I left, and I'm like, "It and and it was a horrible haircut." Um, I remember being like really upset about it because I was like looking in the mirror, going, "What what is this?" Um, so Melissa had to cut it for me. Uh, oh. So I and I I paid money. I paid money for this terrible yeah. haircut, so.
1: Yeah, you had to pay for them to do what they wanted to do. Yeah. You to do,
0: which is ridiculous, because yeah. you weren't there for a service. Yeah, yeah right. Um, it's like if you went to a bar or something, you're like, oh, can I can I get, like, a beer? And they went, no, I'll give you a coffee. And you're like, but that's I, that's not what I asked for. Um,
1: <laughs> you so. didn't want
0: a beer. <laughs> yeah. So what have you been up to recently?
1: Well... Uh, You'll probably hear knocking, that's because I have builders in the house smashing the place to pieces, which is great and horribly messy at the same time. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I've been, I guess, dancing between housework, house renovation. We've got, finally, my room is done and I have like new nice windows here. Uh, It used to be a tiny window about like that height. So couldn't couldn't see anything outside. Um, Focusing on work. um, Started uh, my little sword club again after the pandemic. Finally, we've got the place opened up for us to rent.
0: That's fantastic.
1: Uh, Yeah. And then... Playing about with uh, woodworking and making tables for board games.
0: <laughs> oh, that's neat. A friend of mine does something like that. He's told me about it, um, and it's like he he builds sort of like tables um, for like role role playing games, um, and they're pretty cool. Um, he he almost got he almost got me one once. I think for like a wedding present or something uh Melissa and I Oh wow. yeah, yeah but we didn't have a house at the time so <laughs> um we we wouldn't have had anywhere to put it it would have just been like oh, th- like it would have been great you know i would have been thrilled but it it would have been like uh, cool I'd, uh, i'll just put this in an attic somewhere i guess in like a friend's house so um <laughs> Yeah exactly but um yeah you started up um your new club that's fantastic news how's that going
1: um, yeah, it's going really well. We currently have about um, seven people, I think, which is pretty awesome, considering we've done zero advertising, um, and people just found it over Facebook and the website I made. Um, and yeah, I think we've been on for four, maybe five weeks now, and going going on pretty pretty good, pretty fun. <laughs> It's really good people. And it's nice seeing people excited about swords again, you
0: know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, after lockdown and uh, everything. Because um, you studied in the UK, US, and Canada, is that right? Yes. <laughs> All over the place. Yeah. Um, what was that like? So how did how did that happen?
1: Um, so I started in the UK. I think it was... Um, English Martial Arts Academy by Oz as my first uh, him experience, and it, it was great. You know, I really like Oz. He has a lot of um, good stuff from George Silver, and then you know, at some point, I think um, Lucy Lucy Easter um, Easter yeah um, told me, hey, come come to fight camp. And I did. Well, I met Keith and Fran and Pim and a lot of other people um, and, you know, started doing longsword for the first time. I basically had no lessons in, in longsword, but I saw Keith with the sword and I was like, wow. He, like, he completely dispelled all, all my opinions of people with longsword that I had back then, that it was only... Uh, brutal people who just hit hard because he looked really fantastic Um, and I bought my first longsword even though I didn't have any anywhere to study longsword so I started doing some self-study in addition to my uh, studies of um, under odds with the George Silver and English Backsword and then, because I also met Fran, they invited me to School of the Sword, which was great. Um, so I got to learn a bit more rapier and bolognese style side sword and buckler. Um, more like common sword and buckler, I guess. Um, and then at some point, I, I kinda, I had a work opportunity, uh, which I was really excited about to move to, uh, well, it had to include moving to the US, which was, Excited at at the time, but maybe a bit lesser. But anyway, it happened. I moved to California, and then I tried every school I could find. There was Davenridge by Stephen Fick. That was the first one I tried. Uh, I think it's the biggest one there. Uh, There was um, Tossetti Institute by Paul Tossetti and Melissa Tossetti which is also really, really great. It has a lot of really good people. And Paul Tosetti is just really amazing guy. Um, He has some videos online, if you haven't seen them, he can be quite funny. Um, And then the last one in that area, well, actually there was another, it was like um, people just studying in the park, you know, um, as people do. Uh, So I joined their classes as well. And there was um, Mark Hollingshead, who is a fantastic little secret in Santa Cruz that nobody knows about, unless you're in the SCA. Um, and he mostly does Yoki Mayo, but he also does basically Neck and all the Lichtenau stuff, which is that he's part of the um, Five Factors Guild. So, um, that was the U.S. chapter, and then in addition to that, um, I opened my own little club within work. Um, we called it the Google Sword Club because <laughs> we worked for Google, so we were like privileged little brats, you know, um, we had to spend our lunch break uh, playing with swords, um, which, you know, it's, it's never a bad thing. No. Um, no, uh, and that way I got more um, computer nerds indoctrinated into hitting each other with weapons in a very calculated manner. So it's all good. <laughs> um, yeah. And then the Canada thing, so <laughs> it's it's an adventure really. Um, yeah. So one day, uh, well, one weekend, um, Devin Borman was in the area doing even a workshop in um, uh, San Jose and we we just went there Kate and I um, and we I really liked it Kate really liked it um, initially I was a bit suspicious it's funny because uh, I saw a bit of Devon stuff online and it kind of looked like a bullshido kind of stuff, like <laughs> the way he talks and stuff. But then, you know, I actually worked with him, and and no, it, it was just his way of explaining things, and the level, the technical level was more than I've seen from pretty much anyone else. So I got super hooked on it, and it really worked with my um engineering brain I guess um so I went over to Vancouver like a few times a year to do the instructor intensive course and other kind of courses and just studying with them in in the school which was amazing um and yeah I feel like probably brought a lot of it back to my own club so
0: yeah yeah <laughs> no that's awesome i um i think doing that sort of intensive stuff is i'm just wondering if there's anything like that in britain where it's like intent you know intended for instructors i know that you have fight camp but a lot of the fight camps sort of stuff you know you have to tailor your class to um to everybody you know and i i know i've said yeah. this on the podcast before but i i went to, um, the first ever workshop I ever did was Fight Camp Skirmish. And I was talking about Fury, and I'm like, yeah, Fury, this, Fury that. And uh, somebody put their hand up and said, who's Fury?" And I was like, <laughs> what the fuck do you mean who's Fury?" I was like, you know, what are you so, doing here? Yeah, exactly. I'm like, get, get, get out of here. No, um, I, so I had to explain who Fiore was. So now, like, um, my my last workshop, which was at Fight Camp, Fight Camp, Fight Camp, I was like, Does anybody not know who Fiore is? And there's like, and I'm looking around, and there's somebody there, and they're wearing a t-shirt with Fiore written on it and a crown above it. And I'm like, I think I'm in the right crowd. I think, you know. (laughs) Um, but something that was designed for instructors. That that sounds pretty cool.
1: Yeah, and you know, it was really fun because it was basically an entire week, 10 hours each day of songs. It's like It's basically like a sword school, you know, like what I want school to have been when Mm. I was at that age uh, a few millennia ago. Um, And, (laughs) but, but, you know, you get it now.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We
1: we need, we need that
0: here. I would love HEMA to be in schools, actually. That'd be amazing, wouldn't it? Um, Because, like, I, you know, when I was in school, I had no interest in, like, like we did German in, uh, in high school, and I, was like, I don't know. and I wasn't all that interested in language at the time, because I, you know, I was interested in traveling, but I found it very difficult. Um, my, my teachers, uh, like, I remember my first teacher, she wasn't, she couldn't control the class all that well, and then the second teacher that they got in, almost overcompensated by being hugely strict so I didn't enjoy the classes uh, because the first one didn't have any structure, and then the fir- and, and then the second one, like it was just, mm, uh, yeah, I didn't have fun with it. But I didn't realize then the kind of access that it would give me to stuff later on down the line. So if I had the chance to go back and just say, look, just teach me, just just teach me what this says, and then give her a copy of the Zettel. And go, you know, <laughs> just, just that. And then also I've got like a bunch of other stuff for you to help me translate. Like that, I would have been well into it, you know?
1: Yeah, it, it's that's the problem with schools. I mean, I was a terrible student, but, you know, I'm, being, I'm doing pretty okay now. Like I'm in a tech uh, company and managing a team and stuff. So obviously I didn't turn out that bad. But <laughs> you wouldn't imagine that, Seen me at school and basically giving zero effort because the way school teach at least the way my school teached were taught um had no implication on your day-to-day life right there was no practical application there was no hands-on it's like why should I bother with um, vector math like Okay, so you can get velocity out of it. Yeah, you can figure out how long it will take you to get somewhere. Good job. But but like that's not how you usually do stuff in the real world. But yeah. then now now that I work in like a game development, I actually need it for you know physics simulation and graphics and all kind of stuff like that. Um so i had to go back and relearn all the stuff that i just turned out in in school which is really sad because if if they actually taught us in in a way that was more practical was more hands-on and was more fun you know like a a bit more goal oriented um like you want to understand the zettel so suddenly learning german is a lot more interesting Um, But if it's just like, oh, you need to do German classes, it's kind of
0: like, oh, I need to do German classes. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. But then, like, it's like, yeah, you have to study this bit, right? You have to study this bit because in an hour, we're going to do PE. And in PE, if you can't do the Vekera or the Zwerhau, you're going to get hit in the head, you know? (laughs) And uh, yeah, that would make it. That would make it goal orientated You're gonna get a concussion if you don't translate this bit. So
1: <laughs> maybe going a little bit too far, but yeah.
0: <laughs> no, it's not going too far enough. Um, yeah.
1: <laughs> there we go. Everyone, Jordan would give you a concussion if you cannot sing the second. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um it's probably why I don't I don't get a lot of teens uh in my school, but um yeah. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> I mean, the kids are part of the U.S.,
1: the parents, maybe not so much.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so, um, no, that's cool. So, um, (laughs) then you came back to to Britain, um, and you've, like, you've got a very different way of um, practicing historical European martial arts, haven't you? I
1: do, yeah. Well, you went to my class in in, um, Fight Camp. I can't remember.
0: I dropped in, um, drop in. I dropped in. Yeah, so I dropped in. I had to drop out because there were a lot of people who wanted to fight me. So, uh. I, um, <laughs> it's a like, good which is nice. No, it's you know, it's a, it's yeah. a compliment. Um, but yeah, um, I thought it was really interesting. And uh, I think about three or four of my students were there as well. Um, and because uh, y- I come from a, a reenactment background before I got yeah. Into- I think that you and I have quite similar philosophies where it comes to, oh yeah, the sword's quite dangerous actually, so, you know. That's good,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah. so a lot of what I try to do is bring context. So when I was at other schools, I felt like a lot of it was, okay, here is a play that um, appears in the manuscript, And we are going to repeat it, or here are some drills that we are going to do. But I felt like a lot of the time it felt like, you know, a play, you know, like very scripted. And I try to distill the information in a more practical sense. I mean, I don't want to say that other people aren't doing that, everyone is trying to do it in one way or the other. Everyone is trying to get the best understanding, you know? But I try to build it in such a way that you understand the context behind that and you don't just repeat um, the things from the play and that people understand the technical wise in body terms, but also the mental wise of when do I do this? Why is that the right way? And then in addition to all of that, disconnect the plays, or or, well actually not disconnect the play, but more like relate the play to the fundamental moments when you would actually do them. So um, a lot of what I see, for example, in uh, tournaments and in drills that people do, is, and of course, disclaimer that is my opinion. Maybe people will disagree with me, uh, which is fine, that's HEMA for us. Um, but um, a lot of people go in with some kind of a strike, you know, a cut or a thrust, but they don't actually uh, pay much attention to the sword dynamics, the positions that we are in. It's basically, I'm mean, now just going to come in and try to strike with this wordplay, play, which it's an exaggeration what I'm saying here. Obviously, they have a plan. They're going to attack on one side, create an opening, go to the other side, and, and so on. But I feel like there isn't much of what I understand from the books, which was taught to me by some of the instructors I, I went through as well, which is um, how to control the dynamics of the swords, how to walk in with an advantage so that when you start that engagement, you are more likely to win. You know, I, th- I think it's um, a Sun Tzu quote um, that the vic- uh, the victor um, goes into a battle knowing that they're going to win and the defeated um, goes unsure if they will win. I can't remember the exact quote. I actually had it for, for my class, but the idea is You should not start an exchange unless you know you have the upper hand. Um, That's true in in war, as probably Sun Tzu tried to say, and many generals will probably say, like you are not going to send your people into um, a combat situation unless you know that you have the upper hand, unless you know that they are likely to come back alive and succeed, right? Um, if, if you have a 20% chance, then it's probably a bad operation. Um, and similarly, if you have a one-on-one sparring encounter, let's imagine the sword is real as we're trying to practice for a moment. I'm not going to walk in with a cut on you if I know that Jordan has a really good reach and is much taller than me and has a freaking long sword. And he's just going to thrust in as I walk in with the cat and, and put me into it. I have to come in with a very concrete plan. Jordan has good reach. Maybe I need to step over to my right and put my sword in long point to intercept that. So you have to, you know, take that point, take control of that sword. But then I built that Mezza Tempo, right? Um, so as you're coming to displace my sword or have the, your sword on top, the crossing, as it would be in Fiore, I'm able to then disengage, change sides, regain the control, and hopefully drive that point home. Just as an example, you know? Um, but this is what I feel like is missing. Uh, you know, with, with, with German longsword, people talk about the Zwerchau and the Zonhau, and a lot of the reinterpretation of the Zonhau, and I see it happen a lot to this day, is um, people think that it says, I'm going to cut without pairing, but they don't say, I'm going to hit the other person. They then say, And then, if they're weak, I'm going to thrust in. And similarly, with the absetzen, I honestly believe that the absetzen and the zone how are basically the same concept. Um, You bring the point on top of the sword over to one side, and then you step, and then you thrust, and there is a very concrete chain of operations there but people try to rush it from the beginning to the end forgetting all all the middle steps forgetting all the concepts yeah and that's what i try like to focus on the concept the why is it going to work why do we have to do it in this order and yeah so
0: yeah no no, no. <laughs> I, th- I i think that's um I, I agree 100% with that and i actually say that to my students a lot when um you know cuz i'm like um when they when they first throw a cut defend in this way and then when we you know so we build up the technique it's like right this is the defense okay and from here now we can launch a counter but then when i start talking about the counter technique i sometimes have to go back to them and say guys remember the first step which was the defending bit don't fuck that up because that's like the most important bit um you know don't skip it and like the analogy that um, my JJ coach gave me, and I've been using a lot with my students. Is um, if you if you're using monkey bars and you're going along on monkey bars, you can't go one, two, and then like hover for three and four, and then grab five and then go you know, <laughs> and keep going. If you miss those stages, you're going to fall. Um, and one of the things that uh, I've been doing a lot in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu is trying to because I'm 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 new at it again you know, which is, which is wonderful. It's delightful being new at a martial art, uh, again. It's, yeah. yeah it, it, it's, it's both, um, thrilling and overwhelming at the same time, you know, because, um, I was doing it yesterday and I was sparring against the guy who's like similar level to me, very strong. I was quite happy because he couldn't, he couldn't, um, submit me, but that I could, I just could not reverse the situation. Um, uh, but I know that I'm like, I'm getting a little bit better because I wasn't skipping any of the the stages of the technique, um, and I think that when you start skipping stages, that's when people find openings. Um, people think that speed is the thing, you know, and that's why you get like the vercopter, But oh, the yes. problem I have <laughs> with stuff like that, like people just going, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna Zverk over here and then here and then here as fast as humanly possible, is that you're not giving yourself any time to register what your opponent is doing to you. Um, how they're countering and so you know what you're saying about like the the plays or the devices or tricks or whatever you want to call them you know the, the techniques like when you get people doing things that quickly it's it's all reaction and there's no tactical thinking involved whatsoever um I like,
1: who is sorry? faster <laughs> it's like, sure, um, you can overwhelm your opponent and that is, you know, it works, it's it's valid, but it's not really technical. And if you're just gonna put it into who is gonna go faster and harder and be more overwhelming, it's just a matter of luck, right? Like if you have to try it with a sharp sword, it might work like five times, but then it won't and then you (laughs) are done. So what have we done here?
0: Yeah, exactly. It's a game of snap. It's like you know, the like just just reflexes, and that's and reflexes and speed, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's one of is four virtues, but also, you know, there's other stuff involved as well. You know, um, and I think again, that's one of the things that reenactment gave me is a very healthy fear of of the blade because. Um, you know, even though it's blunt steel, I've got like I've got plenty of scars where I just walked into a sword. Where I'm like, oh, here we go. And um, I think, you know, your approach with low kit or you know, sort of um, no kit, having that sword point in your face, it changes the way you fight, uh, like wholly. Um, I remember, like I said, because I came from reenactment into. Uh, I started with Fiore. And you have things like Codalunga where the sword is held behind you, and Tutoporto di Vero the where the sword is held really low and, and like a bunch of other guards. And I was like, fuck that. You're so open. You know, you are so <laughs> open in that in that guard. I would never do it. But then it it that sort of that becomes a thing of distance and timing. And if you're just going, okay, it's about speed, it's about speed, you're just gonna go into um, Langort or Postalunga or whatever long guard you, you come up with, and just go okay, yeah, boom, and flesh, uh, or boom, and hand snipe. Oh God. Or, yeah, yeah. And, and
1: and that's the thing. I remember going into long point, the the event, not the guard, although I do go to the guard quite a bit too. And <laughs> um, so what happened is I was um, participating in judge training. Um, and I was one of the people helping, uh, you know, do about to train the judges. And my um, pinky broke. Like the guy that uh, I was fencing with hit my pinky and oh, it broke. Shit. And I couldn't really participate in the event properly. But then what I did is I, I couldn't get my hand into a glove. <laughs> so I just fenced everyone without kit. Um, and It was very unusual for most people, but also it's a lot of fun if you are able to do it without freaking out. But the problem is a lot of people just um, get really tense and sometimes Mm. maybe even more dangerous, but the other people, you just see the art to really come out and it's so freeing. And, and just fun. and if you can do it with someone you trust and do it safely in a controlled manner, it's amazing. But the other, other thing you see is nearly everyone, um, especially people who do it for the very first time or are relatively new to it, will go into long point. you know? Like that is everyone's instinct. Oh my gosh, there is a point in front of my face. I need to have my sword in front of me, which really works by, you know, like a a lot of what the the manuscript says, like all the chapter on speaking window, for example, is basically, they say, this is the noblest guard of them all. And you need to have your point in front of you. From there, you can do all of the devices and all of the work. And and Bayer says that as well. Um, And I really, I guess very safely and cautiously would like to encourage everyone, even, even if it's with a foam weapon rather than a, uh, um, a blunt weapon, definitely not a sharp weapon, um, not a sharp weapon <laughs> exercise, um, <laughs> is to to try do a work with someone you, you trust and someone that can go slow and do all of the techniques without a mask, without any kit on, um, do some plays very safely, because it it will change a lot of your understanding. Um, But yeah, you you have to do it controlled. You have to keep your eyes in, um, very important. Uh, And I promise you, you'll probably, I mean, you already know it, I promise you the audience, you'll find yourself going into long point a lot more. Uh, you'll find yourself potentially learning that you have been working at a much closer distance than you should be. Uh, suddenly, the point is a lot more real. Getting hit is, is a lot more dangerous. And actually, you need to stay another step or even a step and a half away. Um, and you'll find some other changes as well, like the length of an engagement. Mm-hmm. How long are you comfortable now going in and doing this as well <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah, for the people who are listening yeah, to okay. on an audio, I was basically demonstrating going yeah. right to left, right to left, with as well as on video. Um, all of this was suddenly done. Like all of what uh, Hiroki Kimer talks about um, the retreat, the exit become a lot more important, a lot more real. Mm-hmm. Um, what uh, the Zettel talks about the krieg, you don't want to go to the krieg unless you're ready. But what we see people do, in my opinion, is rush into it. The moment your swords are touching, you're basically there. You're basically in the war, you're in, in the krieg, And that's what they tell us not to do. And once you don't have the mask on, I promise you, you're going to stay away from it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think um, something I saw as a reenactor definitely hammered this home for me because um, when I saw it, I was quite young. I was in uh, Lindisfarne um, in the, uh, and we were doing the, I think it's seven twenty-one or seven ninety something where. Uh, I'd have to look it up. It was like the the first recorded invasion of the Vikings on Lindisfarne, and so it was a really cool event. We're at the um, uh, we're at this ruined monastery, and I was there with uh, my best friend Ollie, and we were um, we were just having a having a grand old time, and the battlefield was really narrow. And I can't remember why it happened. It was years and years ago now, but like I was, I was about twenty or twenty-one, I want to say something like that. And I thought I was indestructible. So I'd been hit in the face <laughs> with swords, and I'm like, yeah, whatever, I'll, like shrug it off. I'd been, you know, I'd had bruises and 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 all this sort of stuff, like you know, really bad cuts and scrapes, and maybe the odd broken finger or whatever. I'm like, oh, I don't care. Like I'll shrug it off. But then I saw this, like it was amazing. I don't know why it happened. One of our guys, um. He was, I don't know, he must have been about 17, 18. Apropos of nothing, for no reason whatsoever, runs from one side of the battlefield, right? Very slowly, but as fast as he can, but it was still very slowly. And he's just like, <sighs> and we're watching him run from one side of the battlefield over to the other where everybody had their spears lowered, right? So they've got their spears lowered at about head height. And he just runs face first into this spear right and his teeth go flying like confetti right oh, no. i don't know why he did it he did it by himself it wasn't like anybody said hey charge or anything like that he just he just went for it um and uh, we're there stood by the sidelines just watching this thing happen going what the fuck was that <laughs> like um and uh yeah it was it was like terrifying and then after that I was just like, whenever a sort of like spear kind of like waves near my face, I'm like, oh no, I like my teeth, they're, they're very useful. You oh my know, gosh, so.
1: that's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so one of my favorite weapons is the partisan, and it seems it, insane what that weapon can do and how versatile it is. I, I think there is a reason why, well, there is obviously a reason why um, they were called like the king of weapons in, in China, was it? it you don't want to get hit by that as thr- as with it is i mean even as a blunt weapon yeah it's easily going to compress you if you go at any speed
0: yeah i mean almost especially as a blunt weapon because it's got like a bit more weight at the tip of it so it becomes like heavier um you know the point of and we rotation really staff
1: than you yeah like i i don't actually know why i mean i do i guess it's it's so they don't break as often but like it's ridiculous cuz they just make it way more difficult to handle and way more difficult to well um loosen the 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 force
0: yeah loosen yeah release really? uh, yeah slacken yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it's um, no, like it was. It was, you know, that's the thing. You can't teach that fear. And so when I get new students come in and they double and they run in and they double and they like trying to bash their way through their opponent's swords and stuff. And you know, it happens, especially when you're using things like synthetic swords, where it's just like it's flexing and all this sort of stuff. You know.
1: You know, I actually think you can. Um, So. I mean, it doesn't have to be fear, but it, understanding and respect. Because what we do in in our school, which so far I think works quite well, um, is we start with the very, very low gear. I mean, obviously I can't make everyone go without a mask, especially as they are completely new, they need to build up some control. So they are working with basically a mask only to start with, but From the very beginning, I say, you know, we want our friends, our partners to come back home without a headache. And we Mm -hmm. all want to come back um, gaining more than we're losing here. We don't want to have any damage, any, you know, pains or or bruises. I mean, obviously, you'll you'll probably get some bruises. It's a martial art. When we're doing training, a lot of it can be prevented. And then, um, with all the training, there is the emphasis of what we don't want to happen, right? Like when we lose control of um, the soul situation, we need to back out. When we have no control of our own body, as in we're going too fast or too hard. We need to back out as well uh, because now we are not being safe to our partners and then when we can start working without a mask uh, people see why it is all so very important because suddenly you have to keep your partner's eyes intact um, and you have to Keep your own body intact. So it's like this I need to keep my partner safe. I need to keep myself safe, which obviously brings on its own problems in training because you can't really bring home a strike. Um, But you know, everything we do in this is artificial, right? There is only so many times we can kill a person to test a technique. Yeah. Um, Legally zero, by the way.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's it's actually uh, one of the things I was going to ask you about is um, your like because I I believe wholeheartedly in slow is smooth, smooth is fast. I want to yeah. I want to get the technique down right. And again, going back to the uh, JJ, I know when a technique has failed me because like I was pressure testing a uh, close guard against this guy who was just way bigger than me. He was like big dude. Um, and uh, I put him in the clothes guard, which is just where you've both gone onto the ground, and uh, you wrap your legs around them to stop them from from grabbing hold of your arms or whatever. And uh, he just the aim of the game was he has to get out of your clothes guard, you know, your opponent has to get out of your clothes guard. So he goes, you know, are you ready? And I went, yeah, sure. You know, when we fist bumped and we started the, we started the, uh, the exercise. And he just grabbed me and flung me off him. He said, get the fuck up. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So no technique was, was needed. I was just like, cool. I'll be over here, you know, um, like cradling my pride, but yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm like, I know I can beat you. I know I can beat you if I apply the technique correctly. So, um, and that's not a thing of speed, that's just getting the technique down. And so, like, I, I believe that slow is smooth, smooth is fast, 100%. Um, but then, at, at a certain point, you have to let that fluency, that kind of movement that you've been developing for so long, slowly, you have to sort of speed that up. So, how is that something that you do in class? Do you then kit up, or...?
1: Uh, yeah, definitely. So, well, right now we kind of just started classes again. Uh, but about a year and a half ago, when we were going, then yes, um, you have to be able to keep up. You have to, you know, have the ability, the the defense to actually do the technique to have this margin of error. It's just that even when we do that, we are trying to maintain some kind of control, some kind of, um, I guess friendliness for our partners so you know they, they come on safely um but yeah you, you have to you you have to be able you know to to put the gear on and and stab someone in the neck or in the heart so if 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 you can to do that then all your learning has no practical application I mean which it doesn't anyway but <laughs> Legally, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, but it, it you know, we want to make it work. We want to know that what we are doing will actually work and will actually um, teach us something valuable for what we are doing for whatever reason we are doing it. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah I get that. Um, but
1: then you can also, that's the interesting thing. So uh, as you go through those iterations, the interesting thing is, Some people who are really good can also go really fast with very little gear. And yeah, I mean, you're not going to stab anyone in the head or neck, but you're very clearly going to know when you are about to get stabbed and you're going to be able to stop right before then. But yeah, yeah, you need both. You really need both.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I I agree with that. And uh, I think the only reason that anybody is going to... I think the technical side of things is the only way that Hema will survive and grow. Because otherwise, if it's just people, um, people relying on speed and just you know smashing each other quickly, then there's like there's loads of stuff you can do that with. You can do that with Larp. You can do that with Buhurt. You can do that with loads of different stuff. And I'm not throwing shade on any of those things. Um, okay. I think that they they all have their place. Definitely have their place um and uh you know that's fine but if if this is something that we're we're trying to promote you know um to the wider community uh then it's like we want it to look good you know we want it to look stylish and uh yeah. you know it's like it's like when you grow up watching karate Kids and you're like yeah that's that's awesome and then you watch the karate olympics and you know and they're just like knocking chunks out of each other and like and you're like no no what's this this isn't you know this isn't uh what i what i thought it would be yeah. and like although there's like technical stuff going on or whatever um you know when it, when it all sort of disappears when you get you know when you get people who aren't almost doing the choreography it's 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 kind of disappointing you know
1: um,
0: yeah 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 so yeah yeah um i'm currently training myself up to do uh the um, the wessex league in december in oxford mm. and i've given myself this challenge which i'm sort of like I'm, I'm doing stuff on instagram and youtube and and sort of recording it as i do it but i'm tr- i'm going to take part in uh wessex league using my left hand for all of the tournaments so okay. yeah um I hate it so far. It's very frustrating. <laughs> I can't, you know, I'm like, there's an opening. I go for a thrust. I'm nowhere near. I'm nowhere near my target. Um, my cuts, like my, the angle of my cuts is terrible.
1: Um, yeah.
0: it's, I am, I am, under no illusions. I'm going to get the shit kicked out of me. I know this. Um, but the part of the reason I'm doing it is because then I can, um, the things that I've learned from it, and I've I've learned quite a bit already. and I've been doing it for like two weeks or so, but I can then sort of give that to my students, um, yeah. you know, and say, well, the reason this this didn't work for me is because I wasn't doing this, and so maybe try this. And it's like it's as simple as when I'm when you're doing a cut, relax your shoulders, raise your chin a little bit so that you can extend through. Because uh, when I do it with my left hand, I'm hunching my shoulders, my chin's down, I'm I'm fighting uh, like Ben Kenobi, yeah. you know um
1: yeah it's so... it's really interesting though, going going left handed handed especially with the long sword because it's like the whole coordination is then weird um yeah. <laughs> but you know um I feel like as long as um you you're focusing on like the very fundamentals and and going slow, which obviously is gonna be more difficult in a tournament situation <laughs> um yeah. I find, like you said, it's really teaching, and I can bring it back to the students. So I, I had a few people at fight camp who were left-handed, and I currently don't have any in my class. But you know, when you take your the sword in in your left hand position, and you go over the fundamentals and the things that you're teaching, and try to give them the advice, but sticking to the very basics, like you were saying, the word to, word, to the fundamentals and the principles, it's actually really learning. that, um, yeah, this all still works. I just need you know, to translate it, basically, to, to the opposite hand. Um, so definitely recommend doing that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I do need to slow it down, because yeah, like I know what I need to do, and that's the problem. I know what I need to do, and I know what, how it's supposed to look, and I know that what I'm doing doesn't look like that. So I start doing cutting drills with my left hand, and I'm throwing these cuts, and they're just awful. And I'm like, okay, slow it down, slow it down. And I keep trying to tell yeah. myself, slow it down. But then I'm like, no, I know I'm faster than this. But then the problem with that is hmm. that my left arm gets tired because it's not used to it. I did a sword and buckler fight the other day and my left arm was like oh, hanging on my shoulder. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I was just like, Oh God, you know, <laughs> I'll just keep my buckler up because my right arm's still strong. I'll just, I'll just try and deflect everything with my buckler <laughs> and kick them or something. But, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's very frustrating. Like I said, um, I'm, I'm enjoying it and not enjoying it at the same time, you know? Yeah.
1: I would not yeah. want to do rapier left-handed, uh, especially now after COVID, where I feel like I've lost most of my muscle mass. So <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, I I don't know rapier that well. Um I've handled one once or twice. Um, it's like a long sword
1: with one hand.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I've picked one up, and I'm like, holy shit, it's way heavier than people think it'll be.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, No, that's uh, that's it. So with sparring, when you said, um, you know, when you get to a point where you're good enough to know that you could strike your opponent, stab them in the throat or face, um, but you refrain, because obviously you're fighting with low kit, uh, how would you judge a... Um, a sparring match like that i ask because there have been times where i will end up grappling with my opponent and i'll put my point this my sword point on them or i'll indicate a pommel strike and they Mm -hmm. haven't realized that i'm indicating you know that i've I've got them dead to rights i call it the sword of politeness where i don't actually (laughs) shank them with the sword and they sort of look at it and then they grab my sword and we end up in this sort of like you know, crappy tussle, you know? Um, yeah. So how do you, how do you sort of judge that? How how would you judge that match? Or how would you get your students to sort of register that they have been killed? Yeah,
1: so it depends. <laughs> and I guess maybe I'll, I'll add some clarity because right now it sounds like you're talking about no-gear sparring rather than low-gear sparring. Is that correct? Yeah.
0: Yeah, we- um, yeah, sort of, I guess
1: because yeah, if you have a mask, you can obviously indicate by gently um, hitting with the palmel. Even with full kit, we don't want to hit hard with the palmel because that can yeah. actually be really painful. Um, but with no kit, you obviously can't do that. We don't want to fracture anyone's skull. Um, but you know, a lot of that is making sure that the adrenaline levels are low and people have understanding of the situation and advantage. So in my opinion, when you teach people what advantage means in in sort terms, um, so a lot of what we talk about um, is the crossing, the edge and the leverage mechanical advantages, um, then you know who is ahead and if you know that they have these advantages and they are closing in on you, then you're very likely to get um, a strike on you. So you can tell opening, and you can tell when you're open more, and you can tell when they're open more. Uh, so once you know that um, these, that you are at a disadvantage here, uh, and that the person came in with some kind of an action and then stopped, you you can more likely tell that you're actually going to be stabbed here or you're going to um, have been cut now. It, it's more difficult when people go too fast and get too into it, you know, when when you get excited, when adrenaline is high. Uh, but I feel like with more experience and with more understanding and instead of judging the match by who gets hit but focusing on who has the advantage throughout the match until the final encounter or you know what should be a finishing move, um, then it's a lot easier to, to say what's, what probably would have happened. Um, And of course, you know, if if you're bringing the pommel up and the person doesn't know what it means, then you have to talk it through. You have to make sure they know okay, you know, you actually can't catch my sword just because I slowed it down to hit you gently with the cut. Um, Grabbing it does not make sense at this point. which you know can can happen um but that's also part of it is uh what we do is slow down when you get more to grappling range because what tends to happen is you go one speed with the swords and then as you move on to any kind of grapples or a sword grab, suddenly your your body moves way faster because suddenly I'm not being careful with my sword, I'm just moving my body and that happens at full speed. Mm. But if instead, when you get to a grappling situation, you actually go slower because remember, the sword should move much faster than our body, there is a lot um, more momentum going into it. Um, and a lot more, well, the point moves really, really fast. Um, So slow down your grappling actions even more, Uh, let people process it in in their brains better, and over time, understanding will be more clear, because that's my experience. Yeah. Does it make
0: sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I get that. Um, And again, you know, Applying the things that I've learned from other martial arts beforehand, like I did Tai Chi for years mm. and people laugh at me and it, like some of my martial arts friends, you know, when I talk about Tai Chi, they're like, oh, OK, yeah," because they think about it in a martial arts, um, you know, it, from a martial arts point of view. Right. Um, so uh, as in like, how good is it in a street fight? you know, or for self-defense, uh, you know, and, and, and things like that. So meant
1: for it, though, so... <laughs> what's that, sorry? Like, it's that meant for it, so you don't...
0: Yeah, to- I, I mean, I used to be like that, you know. I used to, you know, I got to a point where I was just like, if it doesn't have any martial art application, I don't care. And it was actually not until COVID... Did I start thinking about the the mental welfare, like the mental well being of different things? I got into yoga and all sorts of stuff, uh, yeah. and um, you know, and and it it was, you know, it 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 was useful to sort of think back about these other things that I did, um, where it's more sort of the supplementary stuff that you can take from those martial arts and then apply them to what we um you know to what we do in fencing and the whole slowing things down like yeah i wouldn't slow you you know if i got into a street fight i'm not going to sort of like take a very very slow crane stance (laughs) you know um uh the 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 stuff that i'm going to apply is going to be from from other martial arts i've learned but the just the the stability the core stability and like the the like the mental preparation um, mm-hmm. behind it, and just sort of moving through actions that that's really helped me to 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 understand like where I want to be in relation to my opponent, yeah. and how much pressure I want to put on my opponent, without getting all like oh I'd put my chi through their chest and all this sort of stuff. Just like yeah, you know that that kind of thing where it's just applying force in the right place at the right time. And again, going back to um, uh, BJJ, I was um, I was grappling with somebody on Wednesday, and they were very new um, and uh, sort of like I I just got um, into the side mount, so I'm just grounding them uh, and trying to control them on the mat. And he's doing all sorts to to get out of it. You know, he's he's bucking around, he's trying to bridge and all this sort of stuff. And I just kept saying to him, patience. Just be patient. Like. At the moment, you're burning so much energy, but it's not yeah. the moment. You know, um, yeah. you like, your moment will come when I'm trying to transition to something else because I have to let you go in order to grab your arm or to... Yeah, to, to, you're
1: conserving to, energy and he's wasting it.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's like if you, you know, it's like when you're fencing, if somebody's there and they've just got, you know, and they're in long points, you know, in the long guard, and they're just sort of like everything you throw in there, like, but, but, but uh, you know, they're defending it then you you've just thrown however many cuts you know if you're if you're really committing and they're deflecting it with no uh effort whatsoever and they're just parrying it then you're wasting that energy you need to sort of outthink them now you know get them to go where you don't where they don't want you to be and and vice versa so i think it absolutely makes sense um and i think it's it's a nice thing to just to just bring into class um you know even if even if you are like a competitive a very competitive group mm-hmm. uh just to slow things down now and again um, yeah
1: it also removes the pressure and and the feel. you know some people sometimes just feel like oh i'm going to get hurt if i get hit and then they change the technique because they don't want to get hit like how many times um have you worked with someone where, you know, you need to do some kind of a counter-cut, but to do that, you need a proper cut against you, and their cut became more of a parry. They weren't even cutting at you. And that's yeah. because they didn't want to be hit, um, or they didn't have a proper understanding of what they should do, but, you know, it's, it's usually one of his mm. two other thing is when you go slow you have more understanding of what you're doing Um, and then you can speed it up I actually think it's a lot easier to start slow and then speed it up which you know I guess partially is why slow is smooth smooth is fast but a lot of people start fast and then they cannot slow down or they say oh yeah this cannot work slow but it can, like if you can't make it work slow. I mean, okay, I would say there are a few things that are more difficult to make work slowly, like expulsions. Um, and expulsion is one of those things that you have to build a bit of momentum in it. Um, but most other things you can make work in slow speed and then it's not easier to build it up. But if you start fast, you tend to kind of just try to tweak it and force it. Um, I call it the Buffalo trap. Um, I wrote an article about it a few years ago, I think, um, which is you think this is the time to do the technique, and you try to force it. But actually, it, it isn't. It becomes more difficult than it should be, because it's not the right time. Um, And if you do it correctly, it should actually feel too easy. It's almost like cheating. Um, And sometimes, you know, even if my opponent goes really, really fast in sparring, I actually slow down myself because it's not about going fast all the time. It's about going fast at the right time. Um, And, you know, it's about rhythm. Um, Suddenness is speed. You don't need to... Go fast to make something fast. I mean, you kind of do, but by doing things more suddenly, um, it can be the same as, or even better than just trying to go fast. Uh, if if you you know if if you hit one uh, one two three, then you change you change the rhythm. You you block the expectation. Uh, and, and similarly, you know, if if you go okay, peri peri, peri um you again you, you just waited very patiently for your moment, and then all you needed to do is extend your hands, and sometimes the other person just walks into your point, which is very satisfying when it That's happens. So
0: satisfying.
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> but. You, you actually, you know, you don't need to go very fast about it. You need to um, control your distance so that they can't overwhelm you. Get to that point where they give you that opening because there are transitions from side to side or they're getting tired and they keep on attacking, and then go in. And you don't have to go in too fast, but it happens sudden. So it actually fails much faster than it is to them because we didn't expect it. And that's yeah. another thing that um, when an action happens that you did not anticipate, you think it was way faster than it actually was. Um, so that's another reason why you know, going at a pace that you can actually observe things, uh, perceive them and plan for them is important because if you speed up and the other person is calmly peri peri stepping back peri peri peris trusts you and you didn't expect it suddenly they moved so fast but for them all they did is extend their palms it's it's nothing
0: yeah yeah i sometimes um i sometimes tell my students about that when you know you you do something and it's like the slight turn of your wrist you know if you do Mm -hmm. the um the mental with side sword and you just offset their like you know their point and you thrust them and exchange that thrust and uh and they look at you like you're some sort of magician because they're like man that was so fast and you're like no it wasn't actually it's just you know uh, and then there's there's almost there's sort of like you're using their momentum they're coming in at you Mm -hmm. you know uh, against them um because yeah i love it i love it when i get somebody to walk onto my point um (laughs)
1: Yeah,
0: it's so good. Um, And uh, especially because I was, I can't remember who it was. I was telling them about it at uh, fight camp because we had a fight and I managed to get them to just walk onto my point a couple of times. And they were like, why, why do I keep doing this? Um, And I said, (laughs) it's because I'm super tall and I'm being a bit of a jerk. Um, What I'm doing (laughs) is I'm like, I was just sort of like dancing backwards a lot. And like just avoiding their cuts and, and strikes and so they were getting frustrated and started overreaching um yeah and then it because they were so yeah <laughs> and, then, and then they start chasing you um and then and then you just extend your point and they run onto it and you're like that yeah, there it is so <laughs>
1: <laughs> i wish i've had your hits
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's great it is it's cheating um so yeah i i really enjoy it although i thought. Uh, I fought somebody at fight camp who was uh, about seven feet, like, tall. Oh, my gosh, okay. Yeah, so that was that was an experience. Um, it was a nice experience, actually. I was, like, I went over to him, and I'm, like, you're way taller than me. Can we have a fight? Because this is a... Oh, is, is that Richard Hugh? That's, um, yeah, that's it, yeah.
1: Oh, my gosh, yeah. It, it, it's a giant. I'm looking forward for the day I will actually spar him, because... Yeah. It was such a technical challenge for me, you know. I'm I'm like uh, five foot five, I guess in in imperial terms or whatever it's called. Yeah. And you, you, he, to me, he, he's a giant. He's a, yeah. I, I'd be like, okay, I, I need to really think it through and be really really careful, yeah. <laughs> because he can basically just squash me like a bag. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Yeah, but that's it, isn't it? It's that it's that thing—the you know the application of, of tech, you know, technique and structure over strength and stature. And um, uh, it, yeah, it was quite funny because one of my students said, "Oh, you know, when I fought him, he was like so it was like the hound versus the mountain." And I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm
0: a, i am was like, I'm a bit prettier than the hound, right?" And he went, "No, not really." And I was like, "Oh, thanks, man." So <laughs> Well, so, you know, yeah, you, nice. you don't have any
1: scars from being burnt as a baby. <laughs> no,
0: no, uh, no, no facial scars. So that's uh, that's good. Um, I don't know if I'd get more or less students like if I if I had like a, a gnarly scar on my face. I've thought about this a couple of times. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah. Um, I've actually got a, you can, you can barely see it, but I've got a slight scar just under my eye from where Richard punched me when we were sparring. So, um, that's, yeah, that's a nice little keepsake. It's just there. It's just a dark bit of dark patch of skin. So-, uh, was, so was it
1: from ungeared or geared sparring? Oh, no,
0: we were, we were wearing gears, uh, gears. We were wearing gear. Um, I uh, managed to disarm his sword. Uh, and as I stepped back, he just punched me in the face, and I was like, "Yeah, fair enough." Um,
1: <laughs> and you got to scarf of the a mask, so
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was a nice little, uh, like I said, a nice little keep take. Um, I wear it wide. <laughs> 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 um, oh. I uh, I thought you might you might be uh, interested in interested um, in. Did you see the drain events at all? Um, in, in Germany. Yeah, so there was an online drain event during lockdown, um, and there were two guys who were sparring, I think, in authentic, like, authentic clothing with sharp swords, Uh, and they weren't doing it, they weren't going hell for leather, obviously, they were sparring very slowly, Um, but some of the things that they were talking about were really interesting, because they, they said that when you have a sharp sword, you kind of want to enter the bind, because you know you're a little bit more safe there than if you're free of it?
1: Um, the concept is a familiar one. I mean, I haven't done much sparring with sharp swords, uh, but the the concept of entering the bind, you, you kind of know where the opponent is, you know, you, you know what they're doing, you, you, you get those pressure signals. But, um, I feel like sometimes it's a trap and, and sometimes like, especially with the lower speed fencing, it's, it's a trap that you can comfortably almost sit there because the other person is not going to go at a speed that they would necessarily overwhelm you. Mm-hmm. Um, well, this is where again, going back to uh, the, the masked sparring when, when you actually have some gear, you, you actually know that, wait a minute, they can really easily, you know, do like a zucan or something like that. So, so you will take their strong a little bit higher and really quickly strike, which, you know, may or may not work, but it, it's actually a huge risk. And, um, you know, I think this is why part of it actually shows up in the Zettel that are um, the I can't remember if it, it's in the Zettel or Kim actually, but the false masters who sit in the bank. But at the same time, we also have the opposite where you do need to, um, okay, that one is definitely for Meyer, where he says, um, uh, put your sword there and see what they do, and then react this way or the other. So mm-hmm. I, I fall into this trap a lot in unguiled fencing. Or if I do uh, like um, a friendly bout with someone where I do get into this position and I kind of feel what the other person is doing. And it's kind of more of a friendly educational thing. Yeah. But I would, in my opinion, you sh- should have some caution here because if you put the mask back on and add a little bit more intent, then... Staying in the bind is is a safety, but a danger at the same time because you you are able to disconnect from the bind very very quickly, and you know a couple of strikes will come in the retreat, and whoever gets the advantage on that first should have the upper hand. Yeah, and yeah, like. It's, it's a thing that people fall into a trap to feel too comfortable in, is my opinion. Mm. Um, in fact, a lot of what I'm trying to work on now is get the advantage and stay in the bind for as little as possible. So, you know, if if we have um, the two weapons approach and say... Um, from opposite directions, so I might just touch and leave to get just the advantage in the moment and move on to the next action, or um, I might even give you the perception that the bind is about to happen, but then you know disengage, doc uh, vexlen or so on, as it says, um, and actually disappoint you, Uh, you you expect the bind, but you didn't receive it, which I think maybe is a bit, to my understanding, a bit more what was intended, but I'm not a hundred percent sure, this is my work in theory, I have fallen into the trap of doing, of, you know, seeking in the bind. Um, I think it's, It can work okay if you're really sensitive over the distance, but I'm also a bit wary that it is a trap that um, happens with low gear, Mm -hmm. and that in the sources actually tell us that it is a trap to avoid.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, I think that a lot of people have this misconception with um uh with fiore is that it only works from the bind because it's all about uh. the crossings and it's like no you like the, the crossing is like plan b plan a is you know you, you smack them in the head um and then yeah like plan b even plan b because if you look at the the sort of first play is disengage and strike on the other side and it's essentially the okay. same as the and you know the um uh, yeah, and so it's like, now this is like, it's not even plan A or B, it's plan C, you know, um, so, yeah, I,
1: yeah, but, you know, you, theory knows that a vaguely capable person will cross their sword on you, they will attempt to parry, right, so it, it is obviously essential.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, no, I mean, it's the same as, you know, when when people ask about, because um, when I get a newbie in, and that newbie will do something weird, and they'll land a strike, mm-hmm. um, uh, and again, again, normally we're fencing with um, synthetic longswords which are just fucking chaotic because you know the point is flapping about the place the you know um they they can't bind worth the damn. so yeah. you, you're essentially just wailing on each other with these plastic car aerials you know uh, and again like i i i don't mind them i think they're a good facsimile if you want to learn to do cutting drills and whatever and obviously um i can't you know, I can't afford to give all my new students steel swords or whatever, um, so here we go, we're going with the the rolling swords, Yeah. Um, but they'll land a strike on me, and they're like, how did that happen, like, you know, aren't you supposed to be this, that, and the other, and I'm like, well, n- no, I mean, think about it, like, even, you know, um, first of all, I'm not, you know, I'm not a master, and I would never ever <laughs> claim to be, one,
1: yeah. two,
0: um, even when you get like professional boxers, like really, really high level boxes, they still get hit. And the reason that they're getting hit is because there's no, there's no way of being able to predict everything. Um, no, yeah. and, uh, you know, like sometimes the bind helps with that quite a bit where you get like a lot yeah. of data. Um, so, you know, you learn a lot about your, your opponent's intention and all this sort of stuff, which is, which is quite nice. Um, yeah but yeah uh and and then you know i have to say to them like imagine but you know with the whole boxing analogy is that like if a punch gets let through if it was lethal as it would be with a sword or at the very least immobilizing or way more damaging but, well depending on who you're fighting if you're you know if you're fighting um fight fury you'd probably prefer to get hit by a sword but <laughs> <laughs> um you know it it's yeah, it's it, it's a thing of like because we're not perfect and we can't cover everything. Um, no. Yeah, it's 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 like that that sort of um, contingency where we have plan a b c d Yeah.
1: E. yeah I'm fully with you, like entirely. Actually, when when working, especially with newbies, they're in some ways, more dangerous because they're unpredictable. And in fact, yeah. just going into the bind with them is is exactly that, what you said. It, it gives you a lot of information, and it gives you a lot more control over the situation. And in fact, my way to spar with newbies is often slow down, um, get the sensory input I need, and, and just do stuff from there, because the, I have the advantage that I know how to use the bind, right? Um, they don't. They usually sit in there. They don't know how to take over control of the point. Um, it's when they charge in uh, that I really need to you know get my sword in between us and get control of the situation. So yeah, I'm fully with you on that. And there is another lesson here. I, I think um, uh, I can't remember where I heard that or read it. Um, I think it was between the English and the French in like some border, where the French challenged the English to a duel with a small sword, um, and they were like, you know, it's it, it's our advantage. We know how to use it. They don't. And the English people were like, what is this? And they just charged in, thrusting. Um, yep. Yeah, so, so they won because it was completely unpredictable. And, and they just ran in with a point and skewered the other person. So that's the same with a newbie. It's unpredictable. You're expecting them to do all kinds of techniques and all kinds of stuff that uh, you are taught. But actually maybe all they do is just run in, which to be fair happens out in him anyway so yeah yeah it does <laughs>
0: you,
1: you should probably train for that
0: <laughs> yeah yeah um uh, i think i had I, I went to a tournament and I, I i came back and i was a little bit bitter because uh, it was just um it was just flesh city you know um it was either it was either oh, no what was it it wasn't that actually it wasn't the flesh oh it was a whack a mole, uh, like it, I called it the whack a mole bonanza or something. I can't remember. It's just okay. people coming in and it was just, uh, you know, uh, Mandarito Fendente or Oberhau from the right shoulder, uh. just bam, 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 over and over again. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, okay, so we're matching strength for strength. And there was no sort of, because the head was worth the most points, it was just, I'm going to try and hit you in the head over and over and over again. And I was uh-huh. like, okay, cool. But then, all like the best we can hope for is that we double out, and I fucking hate doubles. Like they're they're like I hate them Um, because again, in in no other martial art that I've ever been to, whether whether it's been boxing, whether it's been you know whatever, it doesn't matter. Like um, you know when I did Krav Maga, that was more kind of self defense based, Um, and so it was like trying to come away with the least amount of damage possible, almost by being like over the top offensive. So if, if you can't, you know, if you can't disengage in whatever way by talking your opponent down or removing yourself from the situation, yeah. you're just going to destroy your opponent while taking as little damage possible to yourself. So it's like shock and awe kind of thing. Uh, and then you're going in and, and just knocking them down. If it was a case of like, um, you know, OK, like throw up your hand, let them stab you in the arm and then you can go in and do whatever you want sort of thing. You'd be like, okay. no, nah, I don't I don't think so you know um and so i don't i i just hate doubles i think that they they make it they make what we do ugly i think they make it yeah. like less valuable um <laughs> and i know that there's like pictorial evidence of people killing each other and it would have happened where somebody stabbed yeah, but somebody you wouldn't want heart.
1: to get to that point
0: yeah yeah um but that's it and again like going back to the low kit stuff would you be so you know would you be so over the top offensive if you know like well that's a good way of getting you know of of getting skewered yourself so um
1: you know maybe easier said than done but if you do get to the situation next time um i would try doing the Fiore breaking of the on the sword so uh, breaking of the sword, I can't remember the term, obviously it doesn't mean breaking the sword, but you mm-hmm. know, um, when you parry and then shove it off a bit to buy your time to then come with your counter, right, so yeah. I, I think it's exactly that master from Fiore, where the other person is just doing that mandrito fondente, Um, and you're doing the parry and Doing the break in, buying that time to counter and exit safely. I I would be really curious to see, um, you know, if if it would work in that situation. Because usually there, it's it's a one trick pony with 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 that kind of person. And when you actually parry them, um, it's it's like what happened here.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, you no,
1: know, maybe maybe your experience was different. So.
0: I think it was just again. It's that thing of um, generally. So I know the technique that you're talking about, the uh, romper de punta, the exchange of the or the breaking of the point or the breaking of the sword, where you're basically trying to yeah offset their sword so that you can enter with a strike. And no, that's...
1: maybe maybe I'm, I'm, I'm maybe I'm confusing my terminology. I'm sorry. Um, no. Uh, no, it's the one when I kind of demonstrate in camera, but you you. You do almost like a mandrita fendente on the sword, like a a parry, as they come to cut at you with their mandrita fendente. And then uh, you add a bit of momentum downwards to expel their sword down to the ground, um, so you buy that extra time to cut at them or thrust at them instead. I'll have to find which master it was, maybe, and yeah. send it over.
0: Yeah, I think it's. I, I think I know the one that you mean, and like it's seen as, like it's sometimes depicted as with Führer stepping on the blade.
1: I think it might be the same.
0: Yeah, it might yeah. be. Yeah, um, the and it works, but unfortunately, it kind of works if they it works if they're sort of committed to a solid cut um the issue is that if they've thrown a cut and then they're chambering a second cut already then when you dispel the blade they're already sort of drawing it back to the shoulder so it it does give you a little bit of an opening um but not as much not as much as if they were sort of striking through and and you know going from as Fure says like cutting from the teeth down to the knee I realize that Mm -hmm. we don't do that necessarily in sparring because that would be very like uh you know there's an element of control to it but because <laughs> there's it's not a fully committed strike it's just this sort of like snapping action then by the time ah, you make connection they've already sort of chambered for the second one and they just go back and they're just sort of yeah. coming in um, and it, it, it's not necessarily um, a good cut but it's enough to make contact and so they're just yeah. sort of it's I don't like I don't know how to uh, how to describe it. Like I say, I call it whack-a-mole fighting because it's just like you're trying to trying to play. I whack-a-mole. see what you mean.
1: It's basically the high cuts that aim to go to the head and the head only. It's kind yeah. of like doing um, a shitel how to the head. Um,
0: yeah, absolutely.
1: Which is what a lot of people do in in sparring, not like a a full cut like we're told to do, but uh, I'm going to walk your head. I-, I get what you're saying. In which case, yes, that is correct. It- it's a lot more difficult to do something like that.
0: Yeah. Um, and so I came back from this tournament. Like I said, I was a little bit bitter. Um, and so I said to my students, all right, we're going to get this half running at this half and just doing a load of mad, mad stuff and try to be as mm-hmm. unpredictable as possible. And you have to defend against it, and th- you know, and and defend yourself at the same time. It just turned into it was just anarchy, but it was great fun, you know. And, it sounds uh, like fun. Yeah, a lot of uh, good stuff came out of it, so um, yeah. that was good.
1: Yeah, we have a similar drill, I think. Um, you probably know it in in some kind of maybe I don't know. It's called Mortal Immortal. Um, so you have one person who you know acts as normal. But the other person is basically immortal and they don't count any hits on them. Um, So you basically need to fight the immortal as best as you can uh, while staying alive and safe as much as you can. Um, The one rule is that the immortal shouldn't just like grab the blade because if they just, you know, you can always run in you have a point in you, you grab the blade and and you keep going in, but it's really teaching because as the mortal, um, you get to, you get to deal with all this suicidal behavior and all this, okay, um, I'm going to try this, oh shit, they're still running at me, how do I fight very defensively, how do I keep myself safe? And you know, for yourself, you do count the times of, um, the the amount of times that you hit them, it's kind of like internal points for you, but the Mm. immortal doesn't doesn't care, so it's literally a one-sided game, it's an asymmetric play, which everyone gets different benefits, because meanwhile, the immortal can just try different things, they can learn what works, what doesn't work, and they can just have a good fun and help their partners train, you know, like um, playing the immortal, it, it can be like, oh, I can do this and this and this, and, you know, just to run with it, but you can also plan it. Okay, my friend here is struggling with this kind of stuff. I'm just gonna give them, you know, the, the stuff that they're struggling with, like the struggle with the people closing in with a copter and trying to grab the weapon. I'm going to do
0: exactly that because I don't care. Yeah. Um, Oh, that sounds like a good game, actually. Um, Give that a try. Because one of the things that I really like about this podcast is a lot of people tell me about the games that they play, and then I'll try it in (laughs) class. So, um, like one of the last ones was uh, I got from Jack Gassman, which is the Duke's son, where you're not allowed to harm the Duke. So you have to try and stay alive. Um, without harming the Duke, uh, or, or the Duke's yeah. son, or the Duke will have you uh, have you killed, whatever. And it's great, because I'll play up to being the Duke's son. Um, or the person, you know, and I'm like, calm down, my lord, you've had too many drinks. So, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> that's really good. Um, I think gamifying stuff's a really good way. Of, um, and it uh, gives
1: people a sense of achievement in that is different. because. We learn really well through play in all things. So
0: Mm.
1: if you you gain your training in various ways, it's good.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Um, Listen, this has been fantastic. Um, Thank you so much for this. Where can people find you online?
1: Um, Yeah, well, I I don't have much online presence these days, other than, uh, I guess, my Facebook profile. And otherwise, you know, um, Stratford souls in the UK, uh, look it up on Google, should hopefully be the first result. We are in (laughs) Stratford-Navon. So, yeah. Thank you so much for having me here. It was really fun.
0: It was fun.